Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvot Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. We are located at the corner of Boulevard and Grove, across from the Art Museum. For more information, you can visit our website at tikvotisrael.com. There, you can support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and contact us with any questions or comments. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. Avinu, Malkenu, our Father and our King, we thank you for your day of atonement, Yom Kippur. We pray that uh, your Word would go forth to encourage your people, O God, um, and that we would know the fullness of your atonement and the fullness of your forgiveness today. And in Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. In the garden, the man and the woman, their faces downcast. They receive the just punishment for their rejection of God's good fatherhood and kingship. Agony, suffering, Toil and death enter the world because of them. It's all their fault. And they had everything. They could stroll with God along with every creature which had a name. The names Adam gave them. They had life. But now, thorns and thistles returning to the dust out of which they were created. Everyone got a name before the rejection of God's good fatherhood. The grasshopper, the walrus, the swordfish. But there's still someone yet to be named. The hot breath of judgment from the disappointed father still echoing In their ears, the man turned to his wife and calls her, names her, Chava, life. The mother of all humanity, all of us, children of Chava. Her identity unsoiled by her terrible choice. She ate the fruit which brought death, and yet, She is life, Chava. Then God himself makes a sacrifice. The skin of an innocent animal, perhaps, now provides covering for Adam and Chava. Sacrifice from God himself for covering, covering over mistakes. The first hint of atonement. For that is part of what atonement is, covering. And God affirms this identity of Chava, tenderly providing for her and Adam. And he says to Chava, yes, you are the mother of life, and I will cover you. Even though you chose death, 
You are life because I am life and I am in you. I am with you to redeem you, my child. I have given over to Adam the job of naming and what he calls life, I affirm because I am the source. You have gone from life to death by your choices, but in me, you go from death to life. But the children of Chava and Adam, they kept choosing death, envy, violence, hatred. It reached a critical point on the earth, and it grieved God to see the children of Chava and Adam acting this way, hurting each other. He turned to Noah, a man who liked to stroll with God as in the days before the rejection of God, and he said, Ase lecha tevat atse gofer kinim ta ase et ha teva vecha farta ota mi bait umichutz bakofer. Nothing. Make yourself a ship of gopher wood. You are to make the ship with rooms, and cover it, inside and out, with tar. Cover it with tar, a covering. The root word for atonement, kippur, is in there. I don't know if you heard it. Kafarta and ba-kofer. These are the words used by the Lord. The same idea as covering the first man and woman with animal skin, but the actual covering material, the the tar, what is that? Well, that's just asphalt or bitumen, a.k.a. a sticky black oil in its soft state called slime, found in pits near the Dead Sea. It was used for various purposes as the coating of the outside of vessels and in building, according to the Easton Bible Dictionary. In other words, God says to Noah, make a big boat and cover it with a covering of atoning glue, soft asphalt that will keep out the waters of chaos. You remember that swirling, chaotic power of water which the Lord subdued in creation. It will not reach you in that ship. Remember, the Spirit of the Lord hovered, conquered the waters of chaos, and He brought forth life and order from chaos. But since the children of Chava and Adam want death, I will turn over the surface of the earth to the waters of chaos and death. But I will provide Salvation through you, Noah, says the Lord. And that ship will be salvation from death, secured by the glue of atonement. 
So cover the cracks in the boat with atonement. That atoning glue, tar, comes from the Dead Sea, so-called because there's no life there, from death and decay of a sticky tar pit. Life. Atonement. From death to life. From chaos to salvation. From rebellion and pain and suffering. Affirmation of life. Covering over mistakes. Forgiveness. These narratives of atonement make it less of an idea and more of an image. And if we can image atonement, we can know it. And if we know atonement, we can share in the story of Chava and the story of Noah, the story of life and salvation. So what do we have so far in these narratives of atonement? The covering of clothing, sacrifice of an animal, perhaps, in the face of death and watery chaos, and the evil choices of the children of Adam and Chava, the covering glue holding salvation together for life for Chava. The children of Noah bring forth Avraham and his son Isaac. And we read ten days ago of the faith and trust of Isaac and Abraham on Rosh Hashanah, and the incredible story of the binding and the near sacrifice of Isaac. But where does this happen? It happens on Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah, which is only mentioned twice in the scriptures. Here, in Genesis, and again in Second Chronicles 3, verse 1. It says, Then Solomon began to build the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah. Yes, the center of God's presence, the temple where all the animal sacrifices would take place, which before that was the tabernacle, where the high priest would go in and make atonement once a year on the Day of Atonement. Today, Yom Kippur, was the same place as the binding of Isaac. The binding of Isaac on Mount Moriah points to the atonement of the temple on Mount Moriah. But we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, so back to Abraham and Isaac. Now Isaac had a son, Jacob, and Jacob had 12 sons, among whom is Joseph, and there is jealousy and envy and violence among Jacob's sons, just like the sons of Chava and Adam. There's a narrative of atonement in the book of Jubilees about Joseph and his brothers. Now, the book of Jubilees is not holy scripture, per se, but it's an ancient Jewish commentary on the book of Genesis and it was written between the Tanakh and the New Covenant writings. But it has some good wisdom in it, and it has a really interesting connection between Joseph and Yom Kippur. 
the Day of Atonement. So Jubilees chapter 34, verses 10 and following. He, Jacob, sent Joseph to learn about the welfare of his brothers from his house to the land of Shechem. And he found them in the land of Dothan, and they dealt treacherously with him, and they formed a plot against him to slay him. But changing their minds, they sold him to Ishmaelite merchants, and they brought him down into Egypt, and they sold him to Potiphar, the eunuch of Pharaoh, the chief of the cooks, priest of the city of Elev. And the sons of Jacob slaughtered a goat and dipped the coat of Joseph in the blood and sent it to Jacob, their father, on the tenth of the seventh month. He, and he mourned all that night, for they had brought it to him in the evening, and he became feverish with mourning for his death. And he said, an evil beast has devoured Joseph. And his sons and daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted for his son. For this reason it is ordained for the children of Israel that they should afflict themselves on the tenth of the seventh month, Yom Kippur. On the day that the news which made him weep for Joseph came to Jacob, his father, that they should make atonement for themselves thereon with a young goat on the tenth of the seventh month, once a year for their sins, for they had grieved the affection of their father regarding Joseph, his son. And this day has been ordained that they should grieve thereon for their sins, for all their transgressions, and for all their errors, so that they might cleanse themselves on that day once a year. The children of Jacob grieved their father, and the blood of an animal took the place of Joseph. And we also think of the rest of Joseph's story, and we layer that on top of this. We think of uh, deception and envy and death, how they give way to atonement, forgiveness, and healing. Joseph absorbs the punishment, the chaos of evil, and turns and forgives his brothers. Joseph turns to his brothers and to us. We who have rejected the good fatherhood of God. We who have thrown our brother and our sister in the well, full of envy. We who have lied and deceived and caused others to grieve. Joseph turns to them and to us. And says, I forgive you. What you meant for evil, for destruction, for death, God used for good to save many lives. And through Joseph, God saved them from the famine. This too is atonement. So what have we added to our understanding of atonement by these narratives? The last minute replacement of the ram during the binding of Isaac, the forgiveness and reconciliation of Joseph, always saving from death and bringing life. But there arose in Egypt a pharaoh who didn't know about Joseph. He forgot about the Joseph story, about atonement and forgiveness and the saving from famine. 
And this Pharaoh rejected fully the good fatherhood of God and turned toward total evil, murdering children and enslaving the children of Jacob. And when the children of Jacob were stuck between the waters of chaos and the army of this Pharaoh, God brought salvation, the blood of the innocent lamb on the doorposts of their homes. He covered over, passed over their own rejection of the fatherhood of God, and he brought them from death to life through Moses, through Joseph, through Noah, salvation, atonement, narratives of atonement wrought through faithful mediators, stories that bring the full meaning of salvation into our consciousness, stories that make ideas like the conquering of the chaotic waters of death, ideas like forgiveness, ideas like moving from death to life makes them real and accessible images we can latch on to. The strolling with Adam and Chava, the strolling with Noah, God still wanted to walk with the children of Jacob, be in their midst, just like it was in the garden. So after he brought the children of Jacob out of Egypt, he told Moses and Aaron to make a tabernacle with images of the garden so he could walk with them again. And here are some of the instructions for this structure from Exodus 25, verse 8 and following. They are to make me a sanctuary so that I may live among them. You are to make it according to everything I show you. The design of the tabernacle and the design of of its furnishings, this is how you are to make it. You are to overlay it with pure gold. Overlay it both inside and outside, and put a molding of gold around the top of it. Into the ark, you are to put the testimony which I am about to give you. You are to make a cover, kaporit, for the ark out of pure gold. You are to make two keravim of gold. Make them of hammered work for the two ends of the ark cover, ha Kaporet, you are to put the ark cover on top of the ark. Thanks, Robert. Keravim. Keravim, cherubs. Like the two angels guarding the garden were placed over the ark, which has the testimony, that is, the Torah, along with the Ten Commandments on tablets, the heart of the Torah. And it's overlaid with gold, the finest, most precious, and holiest metal. And the ark cover, kaporit, the mercy seat, the seat of atonement, the same root as kippur, the throne of God, where God would be king and father among Israel, where he would walk with them, and where the sacrifices would take place in this center of holiness once a year on the day of atonement, innocent animals' blood shed, God's presence among Israel, forgiveness of rejecting God's good kingship, the seat of atonement. 
an intermission story. A man had a grumpy ox. Was known to be destructive. Was always going around hurting people. But the owner, he didn't restrain it. And one day the ox gored another man to death. And the judges deliberated on what to do. They said, well, surely the ox should be put to death. So they did that. And then they thought, surely this owner should also be put to death because he carelessly caused another man to die. However, the owner repented. And he made an atonement payment, a ransom with the same root as Kippur, to redeem his own life. And the judges forgave him. This brief intermission story is brought to you by Exodus 21, verses 28 through 30. But from here, we get the idea of atonement as a ransom, redemption. Now back to our regularly scheduled program, the tabernacle. The Lord spoke to Aaron, introducing the office of priest or Cohen, and gave these further instructions about the tabernacle, the center of God's walking with them in his kingship in Exodus 30, starting in verse 10. Aharon is to make atonement, vachiper, on its horns once a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonement, hakiparim. He is to make atonement for it once a year through all your generations. It is especially holy to Adonai. And here, in most Bibles, there's a paragraph break. And uh, in the Jewish tradition, there's a new Parsha. But the very next verse, nonetheless, says this. Adonai said to Moshe, when you take a census of the people of Israel and register them, each upon registration is to pay a ransom, kofer, for his life to Adonai, to avoid any breakout of plague among them during the time of the census. Let's put these two together. Once a year, a priestly sacrifice, atonement, the first mention of a once-a-year cleansing, mentioned in more detail later on, and immediately followed by this ransom idea, atonement for life, some kind of redemption to escape the chaos and death of a plague. Ideas separated by a parsha, but united by a common root word, atonement. And then we come to the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, as described in the scriptures. Once a year, a complete rest, a sacred Shabbat of self-denial. The priest puts on special garments and atones for the innermost part of the tabernacle, where, remember, the atonement cover is. A cleansing for all Israel's rejections of God as a good father and king through the shedding of the blood of goats and rams and lambs. We've seen them before. One goat is sent off into the wilderness as a scapegoat, literally, 
the priest having laid on this goat all the sins of Israel. All the images and narratives of atonement come to give these rituals on Yom Kippur meaning. The garden, the binding of Isaac, the exodus, the covering, forgiveness, moving from death to life, the innocent animal's blood shed instead of Joseph, the innocent animal instead of Isaac, the innocent animal instead of Israel during the exodus, the ransoming redemption, God walking with us, among us, the tar glue keeping the ship of salvation together, the affirmation of life, Chava, the rescuing from our choices, our choices to reject God as a good father and king, the mediators who wrought salvation and atonement through their faithfulness, now clarified in the priesthood, cleansed from the filth of sin into renewal and atonement, from death to life through atonement, from rejection to healing and forgiveness through atonement, from punishment to affirmation of life and identity through atonement. One last narrative, one more story. The death of Yeshua contextualized by Rav Shaul, or the Apostle Paul, in Romans 3, verses 21 and following. But now, quite apart from Torah, God's way of making people righteous in his sight has been made clear, although the Torah and the prophets give witness to it as well. And it is a righteousness that comes from God through the faithfulness of Yeshua the Messiah to all who continue trusting. For it makes no difference whether one is a Jew or a Gentile, since all have sinned and come short of earning God's praise. By God's grace, without earning it, all are granted the status of being considered righteous before him. Through the act, redeeming us from our enslavement to sin that was accomplished by Messiah Yeshua. God put Yeshua forward as the kapara, the atonement for sin, through his faithfulness in respect to his bloody sacrificial death. This vindicated God's righteousness because in his forbearance, he had passed over with neither punishment nor remission the sins people had committed in the past. And it vindicates his righteousness in the present age by showing that he is righteous himself and also the one who makes people righteous on the ground of Yeshua's faithfulness. Yeshua, our atonement, saves us from death to life, a ransom and redemption. Yeshua, who strolled with the good Father. Yeshua, the faithful mediator like the faithful mediators of salvation in the narratives of atonement. Yeshua, the perfect Joseph, the perfect Noah, the perfect Moses, the perfect Aaron, the perfect Isaac, 
the perfect high priest and the perfect and spotless lamb who was slain. Yeshua above every name that is named. On this day of atonement, Yom Kippur, we acknowledge we have been typical children of Chava and Adam. We have rejected God as a good king and a good father. So we need atonement to make us right again. This day of atonement for us is a day of forgiveness. If we can image atonement, we can know it. And if we know atonement, we can share in the story of Yeshua, the story of life and salvation and forgiveness. Avinu, we thank you for your faithfulness to us, Lord. We thank you for these stories of atonement showing us what that word really means and what you are doing in our lives, Lord. We acknowledge before you that we have fallen short and that we are justified by your grace as a gift through the atonement that comes through Yeshua the Messiah by putting our trust in him. We thank you for your faithfulness to the children of Jacob and to the children of Adam and Chava as well. And we thank you that you are a good father. We receive you as our father and as our king today. And we receive also your forgiveness and your love. And in Yeshua's name we pray. Amen.